0: This is Bulls Gold here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Radio. Also, a shout-out to 1252 Sports Entertainment. I'm Edward Shuler, joined as always by Saleem Sudawala. Saleem, how's it going? It's going well. I'm enjoying my weekend. I'm enjoying all these rumors happening about
1: possibly Lonzo Bull. Or a ball, I should say, but I call him jokingly Lando <laughs> Bull uh, to, to the – Chicago Bulls and uh, maybe maybe we can get uh, a shout out to NBA paint and he can do like Alonzo bull and Zach bovine uh, <laughs> drawing or something like that just to kind of you know have a little fun with that but no yeah man I'm, I'm excited so as far as uh, that is concerned one one quick thing I do want to uh, do shot uh, 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 a kind of a, a announcement to the listeners. Uh, After August 15th, we will be moving to the Barroom Network. So basically what that means to you listeners is to listen to our future episodes, we no longer will be posting under the Bulls Gold uh, brand name. We will still be called Bulls Gold, but we will be posting under the Barroom Network name. So basically all you have to do is search for Barroom Network. And barroom is one word in all your podcast uh, service providers. Everyone, like literally every single podcast service provider, they are under search for Barroom Network and we'll be posting our, our shows on there. So just wanted to uh, give that uh, little tidbit out to the listeners. So, like I said, after August 15th, Edward and I will be posting under Barroom Network.
0: Absolutely. So uh, yeah, check us out. August 15th, Barroom Network Bulls Gold. We will be there. Same show, uh, same quality, and we're looking forward to it. So like you mentioned, there's a lot to get to. Free agency starts Monday. So by the time people are listening to this, there may already be signings, but free agency starts Monday at 6 Eastern Time and the rumors are heating up and we're going to get to that in a second. So we're going to talk Lonzo Ball. We're going to talk Lowry marketing. We're going to talk a possible reunion with Derrick Rose in Chicago. But first, we're going to start with the NBA draft and the Bulls had a pretty quiet NBA draft, I think. And that was and that was expected because there weren't really a lot of assets for the Bulls to really make moves to get another first round pick or to get a first round pick after uh, moving it in the Nikola Vucevic uh, trade. But the Bulls did use their uh, second round pick, 38th overall, on a local product, uh, Illinois junior guard Ayo Dasumu. And I I wanted to talk to you today because there's been, I don't think there's really been any negative reaction to the pick at all. And admittedly, I was telling you that I'm not, this year I have not been very well versed in college basketball. I've not watched a ton of games. So learning about the prospects this year on the fly has been pretty interesting for me. So, uh, Iota Sumu, I've heard the name a lot this college season, and he was a guard who was a big part of Illinois success this year. So what what are your thoughts on the pick and what do you think about how the Bulls use this pick? Because I think there's some discussion among Bulls fans about how to use a second round pick because second round picks don't have a high success rate. Even though it feels like there's a growing success rate, I think, uh, recently, at least in terms of like bigger hits, but traditionally, second round picks don't have a huge success rate. So a lot of people look at that and say, okay, if you have a second round pick, just take a home run swing, just take a, a shot in the dark, see if you can get some guy in here with upside, a bowl bowl, or someone like that, and let's see if it works out. And then there's wisdom that says, okay, let's find someone who's a decent role player and maybe that role player could actually kind of max out on some things. So you think about a guy like a Malcolm Brogdon who you wouldn't perceive as really high upside, right? But he's having a long NBA career and has kind of been like a fringe all-stars type of guard, I think. So what, what do you think about the IO pick and what do you think about how the Bulls have operated with the second round pick in this draft in terms of strategy?
1: So, I, I I'll say this. I was initially disappointed, not necessarily that they took i o, but that they passed on Sharif cooper um because i'm I'm in that belief that when you have an opportunity in the second round, I think you should definitely take on full ROP potential as opposed to just floor. And yeah. I, Sharif has a lot of flaws and concerns, red flags in his game, if you will. Like obviously his defense is a big concern. His shooting is a big concern. Um, his size is a is a concern. But I, I feel like his he has a skill set that could be really elite, and that's his playmaking and his his basically ability to get to the rim at will. And be that be that lead initiator for an offense. And I thought that they should have taken him because of that skill set, that potential skill set to pop, and he could be a guy that runs an NBA offense uh you know on a game every 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 day, you know, as a starter runs an NBA offense. Um that that's what I thought. I mean, granted there's not a lot of versatility in his game. I think that he's strictly a guy that can play only one position. Um, And that's what I think AK's philosophy is, is getting guys that can play multiple positions, um, defend multiple positions, always versatility. I know a lot of people kind of compared taking IO to guard packs, like, you know, a Chicago connection and all that stuff. I, I don't think that's what that was. When you look at what AK likes to do in whether free agency, in the draft, he likes to take guys that are versatile, that can Mm -hmm. do multiple things and can handle the ball, can defend, that can potentially uh, develop as a a scorer's. Uh, but yeah, you know, like I said, I, I'm I'm more and more coming around to it as I as a couple of days go by, and I, I still rather would have taken Sharif again just because of that uh, elite uh, potential. But I, I definitely understand why AK took IO, and you know, it, it has, his, he's more of a floor guy as opposed to a ceiling guy, a guy that can probably be in your rotation, maybe maybe be a six man, but for sure be like a backup. Uh, back of both positions that come in and like I said, defend one to three. Uh, he has length, he, his measurements are there and everything like this. Athleticism is there. So yeah, I could, I could potentially see IO being a guy that could be a staple in a rotation at, at the very, at, at the, at, at the most, I did not say at the very least, at the most it will be some, su- oh, excuse me, <coughs> progress there. It'd be surprising if he becomes like a, a starter, um, like an everyday starter, like a starting Two guard or point guard or whatever if ha- we'll have you, um, it would be kind of surprising because it's the second round. But like I said, yeah, I that's what I I envision A.O. to be, and that's what I thought the Bulls should do overall with in regard to Sharif
0: uh, Cooper. So I, I always think it's really interesting discussing perceived upside because again, I, I brought up uh, I brought up Malcolm Brogdon. And you wouldn't like like if you went back to that draft, you wouldn't look at Malcolm Brogdon as a high upside pick in the second round, right? Like that's fair. Or no,
1: yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, he yeah. was more of a yeah. He he was probably considered like a low uh, yeah. value guy and
0: a guy that maybe could uh, turn into a rotation beast. Yeah, or even Draymond Green when. The Bulls are <laughs> Bulls fans are. We're team that passed on Draymond Green. So Draymond Green, when he was a second round pick, he wouldn't have been perceived as high upside, right? Because he was kind of an older tweener forward and not really a ton of offensive skill, right? Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I think Draymond also kind of came into and when the when the league was kind of in that uh, middleman of. Like back then, when Draymond came in, like he was considered a tweener, and that was bad. Yeah. Now, if he came into the league, he would be considered versatile, and people would be, "Oh yeah, we like this guy because he can do, he can defend like five positions." Uh, yeah, we don't know if he's a four or a three, but no one would care about that, right? Yeah. Back in that time, we were still in that in that place in in the NBA where we cared about you know, defining a player's position. Now, not so much. Granted, we do talk about if it's a you know, one, two, you know, three or whatever, or can he be a lead initiator? But we kind of do like the guys that can
0: be versatile and play multiple positions. Yeah, absolutely. So I I, I understand that. And I guess my thing is, I'm not going to say that a guy like Draymond Green has – as a prospect has more upside than someone like Bowl Bowl or something like that because if Bowl Bowl hits his absolute best case scenario you're talking about a freakishly good NBA basketball player right whereas Draymond Green if he hits his best case upside he's still really really good but he can't do the things that Bow Bow uh, can do uh, just due to natural advantages so I guess I say that, that to say that uh it, looking at what Denver had Denver did under uh, AK. They did take Monte, uh, they did take Monte Morris in the second round. And they did take Nikola Jokic in the second round. And I, I feel like those guys have maximized their outcomes really well. And even though I don't think you would have said that they were like really, really high upside prospects at the time, I think that they just, they knew they developed properly and they hit their ceilings really well. And when I look at someone like Ayo Desumu, I see a player who, again, I'm not completely well versed, but just from like casual viewing, I see a player who seems like pretty capable on both ends of the floor, right? Like you follow the Illini, so you would probably be able to tell me more, but he seems active defensively. He seems like he can get his own shot, like he can hit a mid-range shot. Maybe not a freak athlete, but seems like an okay athlete. So it it would if he develops properly as a second-round pick, and granted, second-round picks do not have a high – uh likelihood of succeeding but if he develops properly he could reasonably reach his outcome i think better than say like a really high risk player and i'm not saying sharif cooper is a high risk player but i i like i guess on the surface i'm i'm a fan of the pick like i think it's a fine pick right like it's it's not anything flashy but i could see him if he ends up panning out he could be a very serviceable like shooting guard for a long time but again you you have watched him more than me so like what do you think like is he I'm not saying this season he's going to play a lot but if he develops properly what is his realistic ceiling
1: yeah I I think you you've nailed that as far as expectations um he he is a guy that is a good could be a good solid two-way player Mm -hmm. um he is a he is a good on, uh, point of attack defender, which is which is on the ball and the pick and roll. Uh, we, if you watch clips of him, he does a really good he does a pretty good job of of navigating around screens, uh, feeling out when a defender's coming, for example, stuff like that. Like we don't see as not to take shots at them, but we don't really see Zach and Kobe doing that. You know, mm-hmm. they we see them at times getting caught up on screens. Yeah, but. It, I O is someone that you know will, is a little more tenacious in that regard, and he will uh, fight through those screens. He knows how to navigate through those screens. Um, he probably gets lost sometimes off ball, but not as bad as like a guy like Zach used to. Um, but yeah, as far as offensive versatility is concerned, I think like I said, he, he is a combo guy guard more so than. And, than a point guard, if you will, like a lead initiator. I don't know if he'll ever be that guy, but he he can probably come in and maybe be that connector on offense, uh, being a guy that moves the ball and makes the smart play, finds maybe finds the cutter to the basket, Uh, not the guy that starts the offense and gets the offense into their sets, if you will. So, yeah, those things do apply. And I think, like I said, he is – he he's, a, he's not a bad pick he, he's hmm. he's a guy he's a kind of pick that that uh i don't think the Bulls in the past would have really made i i think they would have probably taken like some kids as a as a you know favor to an agent gar patcher probably taking some kid favor to agent i i get that there is a chicago connection here so people are kind of uh have that bad taste in their mouths because, oh, well, all of the Chicago kids and that's why we took him. It's not. It's really
0: not. Look, it's, remember yeah. like when uh, Denver took Mon- – Like remember when Monte Morris came out and you're like, oh, man, they might take him because Iowa State, Fred Horberg, he's actually a decent player. So, sometimes no, exactly, yeah, sometimes exactly. nepotism is fine, like when it works, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> <So>, Garpeck did <laughs> to think – when nepot- – they, they, they only took because nepotism. They didn't really – I don't think they actually – looked at the player and said oh hmm. this guy has these skill sets It yeah. so was just like oh he's from he's from iowa and guard has knows this guy and knows his coach and so yeah we'll take we'll take this kid yeah uh, or you know our this mark Bartlstein, um his client that's his client so you know we'll we'll take this kid as, as a favorite of him um but yeah guys i like can like i think who else was uh, another iowa state kid um, that turned I can't remember on top of my head but there's a couple of guys that are in the NBA right now that yeah they're actually really good players as far mm. as guys that you would want on the team and obviously if, if past regimes had taken them because they're from Iowa we would have grown yeah but they turn into good players but now we have that similar situation where this kid is not necessarily, how, like you said, we're not talking about him being at a high potential, but he has a skill set that is attractive to teams um, that can be attractive to teams if he develops, I should say. And yeah, he's not... I don't think he's like a vintage pack's pick. packs pick. And I think he can be a valuable guy in, in the future.
0: Absolutely. And uh, the player... The other player you were talking about is uh, Georges Niang. He's on the Jazz right now, and he's been in the NBA for five years. And he's been like an okay role player. So he may he may end up carving out a 10-year career as a role player. So uh, him and Morris have been pretty solid uh, second-round picks, both from Iowa State. But overall, like I said, I agree with you. I think it's it's a fine pick. I didn't really have anyone I was overly like passionate about. Uh, we talked about Herb Jones before. I liked Herb Jones. I've seen him a bunch. I've seen AJ Lawson only because like, he was a, a local guy that I've seen a bunch. Uh, he went undrafted, but I didn't really have anyone I was super passionate about. So uh, seeing how high everyone was on Sharif Cooper was really interesting. And when the draft was over the next morning, it kind of left me wondering, well, why did he fall so hard? Because like, he, he went 48th and wasn't he like expected to maybe be even a first rounder so it's just interesting that he was like I feel like every year there's a guy that that falls like that and maybe it was him this year and also uh Jared Butler but uh, yeah yeah just so just to wrap up the draft conversation like why do you think he fell and do you think he is gonna end up being really good in Atlanta or is this just kind of much of nothing
1: yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I think the reason he fell, like the three, the three reasons is his, high, his size. He's not a really good defensive player, and then his shoot and shot. Those all those three factors, like combined, uh, teams kind of got scared off. Um, as far as yeah, I, I I like his potential. Like I said, I, I think the skill set that he has, if it all works out. Um, and it makes sense a team like a team like Atlanta took them because if you look at the way they draft, they like to draft those guys that probably don't really have anything right now as much, but could potentially pop. Mm. Uh, guys like Cam Reddish are on their team, right? Mm. Uh, those are the type of players that they get. And it's like Cam Reddish hasn't—I mean, he kind of showed a little bit in the playoffs, but for the for, for the most part in his career so far, he hasn't really been anyone that you say, oh man, Cam Reddish is really doing, he's really hooping out there or anything like that. Right. Mm. Um, He he showed up a little bit, but you see the raw potential in Cam Reddish. Like you see the athleticism, the way he, the way he, he explodes out the floor. You see at times what, what he can be as a shooter. Uh, He can handle the ball a little bit. Obviously that's the reasons why he was kind of getting those Paul Pierce, uh, sorry, not Paul Pierce, Paul George comparisons. Because of his versatility on the wing, being able to be that lane, the, the long three that can defend multiple positions, and like I said, just be explosive and athletic, and um, potentially pop if he if he meets his expectations. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I think that's my thoughts as far as wrapping up this part is is I would have liked them to see take Sharif Cooper just because of that, you know potential to really explode and be that that player that the Bulls need. But I, I understand why they took Io. I understand why AK took Io and it kind of fits into his what he's done so far with the Bulls at the very least, as far as taking
0: guys that can be versatile and, and impact the game in more than just one way. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get to see Io and Patrick Williams in summer league, which is starting uh this I think it's starting this week or sometime yeah, next yeah, week. Yeah, in a week. And another yeah, yeah.
1: quick thing, I, the other Iowa State guy I've seen is Halliburton.
0: How, okay, yeah. How did we forget Halliburton yeah. after the year he just had? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, really good. Yeah, and
1: obviously, go. he's the Iowa guy. So yeah. it's like people would have been – I don't know if people would have had a adverse reaction and if in the past, if Garp would have taken – and I'm not trying to defend Gar Patch because I hate Gar Well, I mean, they're <laughs> just, I mean they're sitting
0: they're sitting somewhere saying, look, if you would have just let us take Iowa State guys, we'd be cool right now. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> it's a well, they could
1: have taken Iowa State guys and Monte Morris, but they decided to, yeah. uh, you know, they decided that the second round isn't you know worthy of thinking about and they would start their press conferences before the draft is over (laughs)
0: yeah yeah, absolutely so we'll see what io and uh, patrick williams do in the summer league in the uh in the next week but the bulls will have to look somewhere else for um more point guard help and free agency as we mentioned at the top of the show is starting monday so about again about the time people here is free agency will be well underway the bulls may have already made some signings but one signing that has been making the rounds on the rumor mill is Lonzo Ball. And we've been talking about Lonzo Ball, as has every other Ever Bulls podcast, for a while now. And I think the general consensus is that fans are really excited to see a backcourt of Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine. And according to Chris Haynes, uh, he said that Lonzo Ball and the Chicago Bulls are a very likely pairing at this point for a deal in the four years million neighborhood. So that would be a contract around 20 to 22 million ish per year, depending on raises. So uh, it would definitely put Lonzo ball in the, not in the elite uh, uh, conversation for guards who make the most, but definitely in the upper half for sure. So Lonzo ball, we've been talking about his value and his worth and how we would feel with him on a long-term contract and I feel like I was very high on the idea of Lonzo Ball when it first came up and it's dwindled a little bit. I would not be upset with him, but I guess for me, it's really just a conversation about worth and skill set. And I think Bulls fans, if Lonzo Ball comes here, we're expecting a guy who can break down defenses and can create for others while also being a pretty solid two way guard. But I feel like we're not necessarily going to get that. I feel like we are going to get the really good defense. I do feel like we will get the improved shooting that he's been on that trajectory for. And I do feel like we get a overall a very good backcourt fit with Zach Levine. But the playmaking aspect definitely has me concerned. And I guess for me, I wonder how efficient it is to give that much money to someone who doesn't really solve the playmaking part that you want, because for all intents and purposes, Zach Levine would still be the primary playmaker because he's a better playmaker with the ball than uh, Lonzo Ball is. So it's, it's really tough. Again, I I think we're getting a really good player. I don't know if Lonzo Ball is going to become an all-star, but he's still really young. So there's kind of some, there's kind of some things on both sides. So, Let's say by the time people were listening to this that Lonzo Ball has signed with the Bulls and it is for four years, 80 million dollars or somewhere in that neighborhood. What would be your reaction?
1: Yeah, you know, so my projection that I thought that Lonzo should get is about in that four-year 70 plus, like so 72, if you will. Um, but you know, I'm not gonna nitpick on a couple of million there. I'll I'll be a little indifferent about the contract. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. I I think it's fine if you have to overpay him a a few million a year. Um, I I get what you're saying as far as him not being that lead guy. So, you know, kind of being worried if we should invest that much money on a guy who isn't going to be a lead initiator. Um, But at the same time, the Bulls do need a wing. Mm -hmm. They need wings. Uh, They don't have a lot of guys that they can rely on uh, we, how many times have we talked about uh, that Garrett Temple was the most reliable wing for us last season. Mm. Uh, so they need somebody that can come in and play uh, have a have a good feel at, in their game and play at a level that impacts winning, makes the right plays, makes smart decisions out there. Um, as far as his development curve is concerned, maybe he does become a better guy at attacking the rim. Obviously, athletic Athletically, if you look at him, there's no reason why Alonzo shouldn't be a guy that gets to the rim more and puts pressure on the defense in that regard. Mm-hmm. But we'll see and that too. And we'll see if if a half-court offense doesn't improve too, because he becomes a little stronger as a guy that puts pressure on the defense and and teams will be a little more, you know, take him a little more seriously as far as a half-court creator is concerned. And maybe like I said, I think some other things as as regard that hold him back in the half court are his handles, maybe they need to tighten up a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. But he he is a guy that can be a full core point guard. Uh, when you when you envision like the Bulls running on a break with Zach and Pat and and even Kobe if he's still around, uh he can be a guy that you can kind of get the ball to and you can initiate a really nice fast break. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, I, I'm not, I, I would do that deal. It's it's fine because, like I said, the Bulls need talent. They need guys that can fit with Zach, that can fit with Kobe. And I think he, he does. They need, and obviously fit in with uh, Booch as well. So, yeah, I, I would be perp- perfectly okay with them signing that. And I'm not going to say it's not a little bit of overpay, but it, I think they. De- I think it's a deal that the Bulls should definitely get done if if it's possible. Now, the question is, is it is it going to be possibly get done? Because obviously, the, yeah, the rumor is that, uh, you know, his his agent and Lonzo are very much wanting to come to Chicago or want Lonzo to come to Chicago. And obviously, Prasane has that report. i um, even Woj, a more reliable person, has been saying that he expects. Lonzo in Chicago, but obviously as Bulls fans, man, we've been here. We've been here. (laughs) We've been here with guys that are imminent. uh, And one thing leads to another, and then they're end up on a different team, but we'll see. We'll see how that comes about. And, and hopefully when at some point this week, either tomorrow or Wednesday, we are, or Tuesday, he is, he
0: is officially a bull. Yeah. and, like I was telling you earlier, my initial thought when Vat leaked and all of his stuff leaked in the past week was that his agent was using the media to get one last final bid. Saying, OK, hey, the Bulls will the Bulls are going to do 80 million over four. Any any final takers? Any anyone? So it, to me, that that's an interesting part of it. But like you said, it very well could be a done deal at this point because. It free agency starts Monday, so Sunday you would think that people who are already kind of lined everything up through back channels and things are done. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Uh, Lonzo Ball, I'm I guess I'm surprised that the Knicks really aren't as in it like we thought because they have a lot more cap space and they do have a needed point guard as well. And you would imagine that Lonzo Ball would really fit Tom Thibodeau really well in terms of being like. Uh, his point of attack defense so uh for me that's been a surprising part of it but i think of the yeah. bull. yeah i think of the bulls do deal yeah, yeah. though 480 i mean it could be worse like we were talking two weeks ago with uh with dave john and matt and i mean i wouldn't have been surprised if lonzo got 25 million because it it's definitely possible there's a lot of teams that have cap space so i mean i'm surprised that it's not more
1: yeah, exactly. And, and another thing I'll 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 say too is like remember when we got Otto Porter, and obviously he was vastly overpaid. But when Otto Porter was healthy, he was a really high end role player, right? A high impact role player. Hmm. Um, I think that who that's who Lonzo is. Hmm. But he's also only twenty three, so he has room to grow. Still, he can still mature, and that's the way I view it. At as if we had Otto. A healthy Otto Porter Jr. at four-year eighty million—would we be unhappy about that? I don't think so.
2: Mm.
1: And that's how I kind of view the Lonzo signing because I think at his peak, I'm sorry, not his peak. I should say at his once he's come, he can still develop. I think he can be a valuable player to to have on the team going forward. And he fits in with, like I said, with Zach. He fits in the timeline, I think, a little bit more with as far as what the Bulls are trying to do. Um, if they do need to move the contract down the line, I don't think it'll be hard to do because he is a good player. I think board becomes hard to move is when you have guys like Felicio. But even then, we've seen in this league that no contract is unmovable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we we everyone talks about whether whether contracts are where bad contracts can be moved. Like we saw the, the Bucks being able to move Bledsoe and now the Pelicans were able to move Bledsoe. So I mean there's always a price to pay depending on on the assets that you have to give up. But with Lonzo, I don't think you'll have to add assets to get get to move him. A good GM should still be able to move Lonzo to a team that you know wants as far as values him and then maybe you get an asset return you clear up his cap space and maybe go after a big name that might be interested but mm-hmm. like i said I, I i'm not worried about the the contract amount i think it's it's right it's about probably like it's a little bit overpay but it's it's
2: it's fine it's fine
0: yeah it's 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 not as bad as it could be it could be a lot worse so i'm, I'm surprised that that's the the number that he could end up signing, but again, it could be a little bit more or less could end up being 485. I don't, I don't know, but uh, I, I think Lonzo will definitely make the Bulls better. I guess it's just, for me, it's, do we still have those same flaws in terms of, okay, we need another, another creator next to Zach in some way. So I, I, I don't know. It's tough. But I, again, I think he'll make the team better. I'm just I'm just a little worried about that part of it. Uh, one part that could help that potentially he's not really a playmaker for others, but he is a still a fide scorer. is a rumor that the Bulls could be in for a reunion with Derrick Rose. So uh, one of the reports out there is that the Bulls believe that they can get Lonzo Ball and Derrick Rose so Derek Rose has been, he was really instrumental last year for the Knicks in terms of improving them. I feel like their record after uh, acquiring him from Detroit was in, was crazy. So we saw the value that he brought to the team in the regular season and the playoffs. He can still score the basketball. And obviously this would be a very, very emotional uh, return for him to the Chicago Bulls after so many years apart from the team. And he's still obviously beloved. In Chicago, you can probably touch on that a lot more than I I can. But what would you think about the Bulls getting Derrick Rose and Lonzo Ball? Would that would that really put the team in a, a really good position? Do you think Rose is still a, a really good fit?
1: Honestly, so I know it's bad to say I like Derrick. I do. I I think he is. It's it's really great to see that he's bounced back, recover from his injuries and his setbacks and been able to become this dynamic, productive players. Again, Mm -hmm. obviously not the D-rolls he used to be, but still being, being impactful. Um, The fit with the Bulls and comparing it to what the Knicks, I say, I don't think he fits really with the Bulls. Not really. Uh, The reason he really fit with the Knicks, because they didn't have a lot of ball creators. Uh, They didn't have a lot of guys that can give them efficient, efficient looks at the basket, um, get into the paint, create, really create for themselves. Like if they have RJ Barrett, but he's still kind of, you know, in that development stage, not really someone you can really rely on to give the ball to. I think that's where you saw them kind of fumble in the playoffs because they didn't have that guy really. And I think Derek, at, at this stage, while he's good, he can't really be your primary guy. Not necessarily. Um, you're seeing that. And, and, and with the Bulls, I think their skill sets overlap. Like the thing you have guys like Zach and Kobe who are are similar in a sense that are offensive pieces, don't really have a lot of defensive versatility. Um, like Derek isn't a guy that can defend the pick and roll. He's not, he's not a good point of attack defender. Obviously, he's not a shooter. Um, so that when, when I look at that in that regard, I don't think he really fits. I think it's about more about nostalgia, if anything. Um, I think people are trying to see if he can be like that CP3, and he's not CP3. He's not going to be that for the Bulls. He's not going to come in and take the reins in the fourth quarter because I would prefer him not taking the ball away from Zach and even Kobe, to be honest with you. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I know a lot of people that might be listening to this are probably mad at me. <laughs> um, I, I like Derek. I'm not trying to trash Derek. I just don't think he fits what what the Bulls need. And I would, I would hope that, I mean, if he comes here, I'm not going to be mad about it because, like I said, I like Derek because he's a, he's he is a fan favorite, and I, I guess it'll be cool to see him being able to come back home. You know, it's always it was always nice to see people be able to come back home. Mm. But yeah, I just I don't see the fit personally, and I, I think the Bulls could. As far as when you look at him and Sato, obviously they have different skill sets. But when you when you look at a guy like Sato, who who obviously is a high volume guy that gets to the basket as much, but I think he probably finishes better at the basket at this stage than Derek. Uh, I think we saw that efficiency wise, there was that out there. I think. Um, Somebody had mentioned it, and I think as far as a playmaker goes, Shadow's Sato's a better point guard in that regard as far as being a passer. So, yeah, I, me personally, I think the Bulls would be better off spending money elsewhere using the MLE to, you know, again, fill in need for depth on the wings on, at the three. Uh, there are multiple guys that they can target, like Reggie Bullock, um, maybe Target. I know the the Wizards potentially made a mistake that the Bulls made years back when they cut Dinwiddie. Uh, they cut mm-hmm. Isaac Banga, who is a buy-low candidate that could really be... He's already a good wing defender, but he has the potential to be a really good a good player in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, like him, maybe a guy like Tory Craig, who again, not, he's not going to be expensive. He's not going to be anywhere near the MLE, but maybe you can get him for a nice, you know, about the same that Derek will probably end up getting. And like I said, Reggie Bullock is probably going to be a little bit more expensive than those guys, but maybe get a little bit more than Derek or about the same as Derek. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, th- those are the players that I would look at as far as adding depth for. Um, and I, I don't think like I said, I don't think Derek really solves any needs for the Bulls. Not, not really.
0: I wonder if this is dependent on other moves. Um, That's my first reaction to it. I think that when I look at the Bulls bench right now, it's Sadoransky, Thad, Troy Brown Jr., I.O., and that's it, I believe. I can't remember if I'm missing anyone. But depending on other moves – Sadoransky could be out. We don't know. Daniel Tice is probably not coming back, according to Casey Johnson. And Kobe White is also out. And he's probably going to miss uh, the what, like the beginning of the season or early parts of training camp. So part of me wonders if this is it's probably another short-term deal. And depending on other moves they make, again, Sadoransky could be gone. So depending on what happens, there could be a need for Rose and his volume scoring off the bench. And that's what I kind of look at it as. And did he? No, he didn't play. With, I don't know why I thought he played with Zach in Minnesota, but uh, that's, that was in the uh, Jimmy Butler thing. But that that's kind of what my view of it is, is that the Bulls, depending on whatever moves that they make, Derrick Rose could be a fit. And I think I would like it. I mean, granted, the emotional part is really fun for me, and I love D. Rose, and I can't wait to see his jersey in the rafters one day. But I mean, just being able to come out on the floor and being a threat to put up twenty a game—I mean, that's still valuable. I mean, he, like per thirty-six, I think he's averaged at least twenty of the past three years, so he's scoring the ball at a high rate in terms of just pure numbers, and the efficiency is is okay. So he can and he can still get you a really hot game every now and then. So. I guess that's kind of what I look at it as. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I think again, it's he. He does do certain things well. I just don't think the Bulls need that. Mm. Um, And when and look at it this another way, I don't think you can close with him there and Zach. I don't think you can do that. I think. I think if. If if Derek is on the roster, that's going to be a problem with closing him and Zach together. Um, Just the way kind of Kobe, it's a problem with Kobe. But again, I think what Kobe provides is spacing, So that helps a little bit. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I I think the Bulls would be better off. And and you're right that they they could still be moving like Sato. They could trade Kobe, too, um, to to soar up another need. Um, I know there's rumors about uh, DeJounte Murray. We've talked about DeJounte Murray. Maybe the and Spurs were interested in Larry, so maybe they would do something like Kobe and Larry for DeJounte. I don't know if they would do that necessarily, mm-hmm. but maybe that's something that could be worked out. And then, then Derek makes a little more sense because then you have DeJounte who can start next to Zach, and you're not necessarily finishing games like Derek but he can provide that little offensive punch off the bench because then you don't have that because you've lost Kobe. Um, but yeah, uh, to me, I, I, the way I see it is as the roster's constructed, if the guy that they only add is Lonzo and we don't know what else they're going to do with moving parts, um, I just don't see the fit right now.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I honestly don't think that, Rose and Zach closing games together would be that bad because it would at least give you two guys who can get a shot. So you couldn't really zone in on Zach. I mean, if you you trap Zach or double Zach, you would still have to deal with Rose as a secondary shot creator. And Lonzo Ball then is in a tertiary role, which I think is really good as a uh, playmaker or a shot creator where he's just hitting threes, uh, just open threes. So honestly, I don't think it would be that bad, but it probably wouldn't even be, like, it's not really a perfect fit as well. Uh, It's not really ideal. Yeah, yeah, not ideal. So we'll we'll see depending on whatever moves they make. You mentioned Lowry, Markman, and the Bulls have uh, tendered a qualifying offer to him and Devin Dotson. There's been a report that the Minnesota Timberwolves could be interested in a sign-and-trade with him. There's been a report that, of course, there's been rumors that the Spurs might. I think I saw that the Cleveland Cavaliers were a team – that might have some interest. So there's going to be teams with cap space. We know that. So Lowry is not going to have a shortage of suitors. So I feel like there's a lot of different scenarios going around where you mentioned uh, DeJounte Murray, where maybe the Bulls could trade Lowry for Murray. Uh, There's scenarios where the Bulls may not even get anything back unless it's like a draft pick or a trade exception. I don't know. But how do you see this playing out with Lowry, Markinen and do you think it's realistic that we get a player back in a scenario? Yeah, I don't think it's realistic to expect that. I think I obviously
1: the Jante stuff is wishful thinking on our part more than anything. Mm. But I, I would be happy if they could get a second round pick and a trade exception because then they can go into the season and have that. I don't know how big the trade exception will be. I, I think Larry. I think more and more as we, we've got into this free agency and what not only free agency, what we've seen in the playoffs. So obviously a guy like John Collins is going to be a big player on the market. Um, I think even a guy like Bobby Portis is going to be more favorable than Myrie on the open market. Um, now, obviously those two players could stick with their teams. John Collins could stick with the with the Hawks. Obviously, he's a restrictive agent. Bobby is an unrestricted free agent, but obviously, there's incentive for the for Milwaukee and for Bobby to get a deal done because you don't want to weaken a championship team. and And Bobby was a big part of, I don't want to say a big part, but it was he was an integra- integral part of that rotation, and and he provided a lot of energy and and um, spacing and, and scoring off the bench for Milwaukee and he was a little versatile too because he was able to play both center and power forward. Hmm. So, yeah, I think after that, you kind of look at Larry, he's probably cost himself after the season he had where he was just inconsistent and kind of the same stuff that we've seen with from Larry throughout his tenure with the Bulls. Maybe he's cost himself some money. Maybe he gets around 12 million a year, um, maybe 15 if he's lucky. Uh, from a team that really, you know, will, is willing to overpay for the fact that he's only 23, so if they can get like a 15 million dollar trade exception along with a second rounder, I'll be fine with that because that 15 million trade exception can come handy in the season when teams are looking to, you know, move a certain player
0: and that
1: fits the, what the Bulls are wanting or needing at at that time.
0: Yeah, I, I think the. You mentioned Bobby Portis, and that's really, at this point, I feel like that would be the best case scenario for Lowry Marketing is to end up on a really good team where he can play his role and not have to worry about doing anything else. Because it's a different, we, we saw it in the playoffs with campaign and Bobby Portis, where it's different where you have a role on a really good team and you're not expected to carry anything. Bobby Portis didn't even play the entire postseason. There were times where he was on the bench because of, of matchups, but when you put him in the game for energy, shooting and things like that, and just a, a small minute roll, he excelled. And I kind of wonder if Lowry Markinen could do the same if he's you know, coming off the bench uh, 15, 20 minutes, hit your threes and try harder on defense. Then maybe on a short term, you know, you can parlay that into more money later on. But of course. Free agency now, there's going to be suitors. So he may end up getting a three or four year deal. I don't know. You mentioned uh, 15 million, 12 million. Like that, that seems about right. But uh, I, w- I would be fine with a trade exception like you. I'd be fine with a trade exception and a second round pick. Like that's fine to me.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like I said, it just, it, the second rounder can be an asset to it that the Bulls can use,
2: mm.
1: uh, whether they draft somebody or if they can use it to combine with another trade but yeah i think that's what i'm looking at i I, i'm i'm pretty certain at this point though i'm like 99.9 percent certain that larry and the bulls are no longer gonna be appearing yeah um going forward and like you said yeah i think i think for larry he should probably try to go to a situation where he can kind of regain his value um Mm -hmm. maybe not do a long-term deal i mean obviously if he can get a good contract paying him 15 plus million a year he should definitely take the four years if he can mm. but maybe do what bobby did because bobby kind of went on that what two-year deal type of thing and i think he did himself a favor obviously he didn't made a big mistake for passing that offer that the bulls gave him mm. but in in case of what he's overcome where he's able to regain his value. I think maybe Lowry could do something similar and go to a team that will provide him an ability to play to his strengths, not be a top three guy, not even a top four guy just come in like Bobby off the bench score, not be relied to do much else and kind of regain his values. Obviously he's as a floor spacer and a shooter.
0: Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think that's that's a really good route for Lowry to just come in, play your role, be an eighth or ninth guy, and then come back later in free agency while you're still young and see if you can parlay that into something more. And like you said, it's mentioned, it worked for Bobby Portis. I mean, he's been a big crowd favorite now for Milwaukee Bucks. He's wrestling people in WWE now. I mean, there's... <laughs> it looks great for him like i'm <laughs> every time every
1: time bobby the bucks played crazy eyes is trending so it's yeah uh it's it's funny i mean he yeah he's he's kind of overcome a lot as far as even the the nico thing people had a lot of you know negative opinions on him yeah after the nico situation where you know unfortunately it was a very unfortunate thing that happened yeah uh but yeah it, like I said, for Lowry, I think maybe best thing for him is to take maybe a short-term deal. Maybe that gives him um, a little similar to what Bobby signed with the Knicks, and then build himself back up, uh, find a find a good position place for himself that that can regain value. I know the rumor in Minnesota. I don't know how much he's gonna really regain in Minnesota. That. That fit there would defensively
0: would be quite yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, with him, in, yeah, with him <laughs> in Towns, that's a red, that's a red carpet, man. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think I think Mark Mark K, our friend from Australia, he joked that the defensive rating would be like one fifty six.
0: That's all. Like,
2: is, is that like, know, the, uh, is like the absolute highest?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's I don't know, like I I don't know where. I think San Antonio people talk about, but it's funny, like I was thinking recently, like San Antonio has not been very good the last two, three years as far as evaluating talent and what they've done with the roster. Mm -hmm. I I was looking at the draft. They've done some bad draft picks. I think this season, a lot of people, uh, this draft, a lot of people were like, wow, what the hell did you guys do? Like, why did you take him so high? He was considered like the guy they took was considered, I think, a second round prospect, mm. and they took him. Obviously, where they did. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe like maybe we can take steal Dejounte for them for a package <laughs> of Larry, Larry and
0: Kobe because of how they've been fumbling uh, the last so many years. Yeah, it, it's definitely been interesting with San Antonio because I feel like I, I've quietly said that I feel like they've lived off past rep for a while and so it's they still have that rep where it's like "Uh oh don't let them go to san antonio they'll be really good and it's like "Eh, i mean that hasn't really been true the last couple of years i mean granted greg popovich is a legend rc buford one of the best but they have definitely been trying to find their way post uh duncan parker ginobili kawhi and the results have not been as good but again that's kind of it's kind of what you are you get into when you're out of that out of that element like a lot of teams are kind of going through the same thing the bulls have been the same we're still trying to find our way a little bit and it's it's tough so it, san antonio kind of looks mortal <laughs>
1: yeah exactly yeah. exactly so we'll see i mean we'll see what happens like hopefully as far as the bulls are concerned i'm hoping that that trajectory is in a upswing and we're yeah, we're starting to we'll start to see an an arrow pointing up, and like we do get Lonzo Ball, and we do start you know adding some solid pieces, um, and not necessarily be a cont- we're not going to be a contender, but getting the playoffs, mm. baby steps. Let's let's focus on that. Yeah, let's a- focus on getting into the playoffs. Absolutely, Being a, a competent team that plays like watchable basketball <laughs> every night.
0: <laughs> I mean, I would take that because. I just the last three or four years as a fan has not been great. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I always, I always say that everyone hates the perennial playoff team that gets second round exits and first round exits. And but I honestly, I don't mind. Like I like watching an entertaining team that wins games and makes the playoffs and occasionally is on TNT and they beat a really good team. Like that's that's fun. Like it, it doesn't have to be a championship team. I really don't care to watch a tear down rebuild. Just give me an entertaining basketball team that yeah. can be fun. That's that's all I ask for. Um, and the
1: bull and the Bulls aren't aren't going to be capped out in their ceiling because Pat Williams obviously a lot a lot riding on Pat and and maybe it's unfair, but he his ceiling could really. Dictate if this team can become a contender too, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then,
1: and then, and here's the other thing. And I, and and granted, eventually, if you're if you keep losing in the second round, eventually, yeah, you want to see improvements. But again, let's get there first. Mm. Like we can't we can't skip B when we haven't even gotten to A. Mm. Right? We can't talk about contending. Like I, I saw somebody. At, Mentioning, what are we going to do with G, G, against Giannis? Who cares? <laughs> Giannis isn't is a concern for us yet. Let's get to a place in the playoffs where we have to worry about beating him first. Then yeah. we can say, "Hey, how are we going to get past Giannis?"
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can't
1: do that until we actually are in the show.
0: Yeah, I mean, right now it's what can we do against. Uh, the wizards, or what can we do exactly. against the? Exactly, we're, we're, <laughs> <How do you, laughs> we're wondering how to
1: get in, how to stay, actually stay yeah. in the playing game. Yeah,
0: how do you, you know? What? How do you stop Lamelo? Like that's we're kind yeah. of, you gotta you gotta just baby steps. There's levels of this, and we're not even yeah. we're not even at that point. Like I, Milwaukee can do what they want. I I'm not building a team to beat Milwaukee right now. Just, not right <laughs> now. Not right now. Yeah.
1: Eventually, I would love it if we could get to that place where okay, like now we have to focus on making moves uh, to to compete with Milwaukee and Giannis and and this beast that Giannis has become. But mm. at this point, I'm more worried about just getting into the playoffs and having an exciting first round. If next season the Bulls are a playoff team and they have a six game first round series and maybe lose two of the, uh, the third seed, I'm going to be happy. That's going to be successful season to me. I think.
0: Absolutely. So let's wrap up with this uh, again free agency will be well underway by the time everyone is hearing this. So when we talked about the trade deadline with uh Big Dave and uh seat up we predicted that there would be uh some there might be a move that might come out of nowhere because at the time we were talking about Lonzo Ball and then we ended up with Nikola Vucevic. So free agency do you expect anything that we really haven't talked about for the team. Again, all eyes right now are on Lonzo. Now D Rose a little bit. Do you, is there anything that you think could happen that has not really been out there in the press?
1: I'm actually wondering like, if what are we sneakily like all the Lonzo top is there and maybe we'll still get Lonzo, but what are we sneakily get into the Larry? Um, yeah. Hi, Larry. Sakes. Um, I'm I've been wondering if if Mark Eversley has a relationship with him from his time with Toronto. I was also wondering because I remember DeRozan wanted the Rosen and Lowry wanted to play with each other. Mm. Um, obviously DeRozan is a is a iffy fit as far as defensive is defensively is concerned, but he's a really good shot creator, a, a, still a very efficient scorer and shot creator. Um like, what if, like, miraculously, they were able to pull off, Like, they were able to m- move Thad, Sato, for cap space, like, pure cap space. Um, Obviously, they would renounce Lowry, all that stuff, uh t- Tice. And then, obviously, work out a scenario where you sign Lowry and then a the sign and trade. Oh, sorry, a Kyle Lowry, because when I say Lowry, I, I want yeah.
2: to make
0: sure I'm <laughs> Lowry, to Lowry, Lowry, yeah.
1: Right, um, and then figure out how to trade for for DeRozan. I mean, that's a crazy scenario and completely pipe dream. And you can tell me, Edward, that stop shit the hell up, to lame. You've been drank too much coffee this morning.
0: You, but you, uh, I mean, you probably have drunk a lot of coffee this morning. But <laughs> I don't. Know,
1: but, I don't uh, this, this is a
0: wild scenario.
1: I've no, been thinking I, about, but
0: I don't think it's. Far-fetched, because uh, when I went on uh, Rebuildable with I Gentile, shout out to him, I mentioned Kyle Lowry as the guy that I would be targeting to fix the Bulls point guard situation. And I said Kyle Lowry because at the time, I was really concerned about the money Lonzo Ball would get. I thought it would be a bidding war that a team like the Knicks would win because they have a lot of cap space. And the other point guards I wasn't really sold on, Dennis Schroeder, you know, whoever, and I looked at Kyle Lowry like, Hey, Kyle Lowry is a multi-time all-star. He's coming with, a, he, he has a ton of playoff experience, championship experience, obviously, and he's a leader. And granted, he's older now, but still a very good point guard. And we've saw, we, we've seen what Chris Paul did for a young Phoenix Sunstein. Granted, Kyle Lowry is not Chris Paul, but if you could get Kyle Lowry to come in here and give you like 60% of that impact that Chris Paul gave the Phoenix. I would take that, especially on a short term deal. Like I would offer maybe a two year deal with like a third year, like team option or like some type of non-guarantee or something like that. But that like Lowry would be my number one choice because I think he's a guy that you can learn from, you know what he can do and there's not a ton of financial risk. So you're not strapped down. So I agree with you. Like, I, I, I've seen his name attached to the Pelicans, and the Pelicans are a rebuilding team. So I, I wonder if yeah. he's interested in going there. Would he be interested in going to Chicago? You brought up the Mark Eversley connection. I think it's a possibility. I don't – Lonzo Ball may end up with the Bulls, but I am not sold that that is set in stone, at least yeah, right exactly. now. But I. But, again – you may be listening to this and Lonzo Ball may have already agreed to a deal. So I may end up sounding stupid, but at this time, I don't think that's a set in stone.
1: No, exactly. And the other thing, too, I, I would look out for. I know I, we, we brought this up about a month ago, uh, maybe a, a little over a month ago when Morton Jensen was on on us on here with us. We talked about uh, potentially past this Siakam, what the what the Toronto Raptors were looking to do. Obviously you'd have to move Pat in that scenario. But I don't know. Maybe you see something big like that. Obviously, AK does seem to always have that wild card up his sleeve. Yeah. And again, that that again that is a Toronto um connection there with with Mark Eversley. So yeah. We'll That's, see. We'll yeah. see what happens. Those are obviously crazier, bigger, lofty expectations. Um but man, I I think Malari and that
0: he's exactly what the Bulls need, right? Yeah, he is. He he can get his own shot. He can create a fla- half court. Cre- yeah, create half, an half court, court Yeah, that's what you would like. He is what you would want from Great a point fit. guard, and he's not. Yeah. Ca- he doesn't. He doesn't strap you. Like you could get. I think you could get him on a short term deal. I would be surprised if he signs a guaranteed four year deal or something like that. So yeah, he would. To me, he would be my primary target. But if he is interested in going to a contender, we have no shot. But the New Orleans Pelicans rumor makes it seem like, hey, if he's open to going to a team that did not make the playoffs last season, maybe he might be interested in going to Chicago. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll
1: see. I mean, we'll see. I'm excited either way. I think the Bulls are going to have some nice changes. I think we're going to be I, I think we're going to be happy with the agency. Mm-hmm.
0: But I mean, again, we've been here before, so we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Free agency begins Monday, six p.m. Eastern. So that is a wrap for Bulls Gold, Salim. Anything before we head out? Yeah. Again, uh, to the listeners,
1: look out after August fifteenth or August fifteenth and beyond. Look out. Look for us on the Bar Room Network. Uh, Edward and I are very excited about that. It's they they have a great variety of shows of Chicago Sports shows uh that, that they have on there with and they have some great guests too uh with all their shows. If you're a Bears fan, if you're a Cubs fan, if you're a Sox fan, if you're a Blackhawks fan, um all of it. And obviously Bull being a Bulls fan too. They they have so many different shows on there and it's worth checking out. But yeah, I'm I'm excited about that and I'm excited to see let's oh let's go Bulls. Let's hope they I think they will, but I, let's hope. Let's hope we have a good
0: off season. Absolutely, and again, check us out. Eight fifteen Barroom Network. Again, same quality, same show. We're really excited about it. Uh, one thing we didn't mention is this is the last Bulls Gold with Felicio as a bull. Yes, I mean, is- maybe they'll <laughs> let him be on the Windy City Bulls. Like it's possible. Just-
1: Because he maybe you know he's been in Chicago. Chicago is his only is the only home out of outside of Brazil that he's known.
0: Yeah, and wasn't it Um, cool that he got to uh, Ronaldinho was at uh was at the United Center yesterday. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. he
1: was there. He was hanging out. So I don't know, man. I, I I I don't. It's it's hard for me to hate Felicia. I like Felicia. He's a. I mean. You know, he
0: got to live a whatever. dream. He, he, he got to live he, a dream and make thirty-two million dollars for like, hey man, I can't hate on him.
1: Exactly, he he won the lottery. Yeah, you know he came from probably hard times. Yeah, he got got his money. You know, he seems like a really nice guy. Every time people meet him, they just love him. He's very yeah. nice to them. So like, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with Felicia. Maybe he still hangs around. Like I said, in town and plays for, like, the Windy
0: City Bulls.
1: Yeah. I, I would hope the Bulls don't waste the roster spot on him, but...
0: We'll, we'll, um, we'll need to find a new contract to replace all of the uh, <laughs> the apathy that we uh, projected onto him. So uh, we're, we're definitely accepting applications to be the new Felicio. But, <laughs> but, yeah, we will see what happens in free agency. And, yeah, that's been a wrap for uh, today's Bulls Gold. As always, you can check us out on Spotify, on Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can check us out here. Uh, I Yeah, next week we will be on Dash Radio, nothing but net radio. So you can still check us out here on Dash Radio for another week. But uh, until then, this has been Bulls Gold. I'm Ed Rashula. That's Salim Surawala. And we will catch you next time, Bulls Fingers.